Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 28 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. I'm Joe, with me, as always, Jordan and James. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. They were at the link, as was I, on Monday night to see the Giants and the Eagles in what we thought was a, a very close and even matchup heading into Monday Night Football. It turned out to be anything but that. 27-7, the Giants go down. They score in the first possession, and then from there, it was a rout. For the Eagles. Jordan, we'll start with you. How surprised were you at how poorly the Giants played, especially on the offensive side of the ball? Well, that does surprise me. They played poorly on the offensive side of the ball. You could look at the other side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, and say, hey, they're missing their three best defensive players this year with Robert Ayers, Devon Kennard, and Prince of Mukamara. So that was the side where I think, hey, if they really struggled badly, you would have been like, eh. You know, look what they're playing with out there. They're really, really shorthanded. So it didn't turn out that way. The offense was actually the one that played really poorly. And Odell Beckham with his tender hamstring looked pretty good until they stopped throwing him the football. And they did. And we'll get to that and and kind of where Odell went and what happened to this Giants offense in the second half. But, James, I mean, just take me through your thought process early in this game. The Giants go down the field, opening drive, put seven on the board. They, have, they stop the Eagles on a three and out, and then they're driving again. And at that point, you know, I'm sitting there. Personally, I'm thinking they might go up 14-0 here, and the Eagles are going to be in catch-up mode the whole time with, you know, a mediocre to below-average quarterback in Bradford. All things look giants early, and then all of a sudden it just unraveled. I was the only guy uh, on the NJ.com staff that picked the Giants to win. So, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, hey, I finally got a Giants against the spread game right. <laughs> and – uh it just it, it, I've never really seen a game where we got to a point in the first half where I think both teams legitimately could have stood on the sidelines and said, we should be up 21 points right now. Um, it, it, the Giants could have run away with the game early. Um, the, the Eagles, after the, when the, you know, the two interceptions, the Eagles certainly could have run away, put the game well away by halftime, uh, if not for Sam Bradford. Um, I, I was surprised that the Giants played so poorly offensively, especially since – you know, talking to, to players in the locker room after the game, they, they really didn't seem to think there was any real adjustment or difference the Eagles made. I, I know the Eagles defensive back said they played more man-to-man coverage, and I don't think Eli Manning was expecting that. But it just – everything didn't seem to be there for the first 10 minutes, and for the final 50, it was just nothing. It was a whole lot of nothing. And, you know, the Eagles kept allowing – I mean, the score was 27-7. So if you didn't watch the game or you kind of were just – 
uh, so bored by it, you turned away. You might say, oh, wow, they were blown out. It was a three-score game the whole time. But the Eagles, Jordan, it felt like the Eagles were just opening the door, allowing the Giants to maybe have a crack to get back in it, and they just never did. I mean, the Giants' defense forced some turnovers, but they just couldn't do anything to get back in the game the whole second half. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Eagles tried to keep them. Sam Bradford, in particular, tried to keep them in the game. He played really, really poorly, and they won by 20 points. So, um, I mean, that's almost hard to fathom that a QB could play that poorly, and yet they blew him out by 20 points. So, you know, they, they four turnovers. The Giants actually won the turnover battle in this game. But they took those four turnovers, and Tom Coughlin, we spoke to him today, is Tuesday. We had him on a conference call today. And he was still, you know, totally mind blown that they could have four turnovers and produce zero points off those four turnovers. So it was it was a combination of look the Giants with the roster they're putting out there right now. Uh, they're very they were very beat up coming into this game. There's not a lot of wiggle room for error. And when they go and they make mistakes and they commit penalties and stupid penalties like Demontre Moore's uh, body slam of Sam Bradford and just the endless mistakes, they can't afford that. They don't have that much room for error. They have very little room for error. And if they don't win the turnover battle usually, then it's a do- they're doomed. But they actually won the turnover battle here. Uh, but they still just made too many mistakes, too many ridiculous mistakes running into the punter a body slamming the quarterback 10 seconds after the play, uh, third down penalties, special teams penalties. These are just things they couldn't overcome. Larry Dinell's, I guess it's, it was an interception by Eli, but Larry Dinell really just got the ball ripped out of his hands. Uh, so Rashad Jennings fumbled. The, they, the Giants had an opportunity early in that game to really actually take a pretty nice lead, and they let it slip away. And from there, they just, they just downward spiraled into complete garbage. They did, and and Tom Coughlin, I saw that he mentioned this frustration with how that game went and, and all those self-inflicted wounds you just mentioned there, Jordan. Which one to you guys, we'll go to both of you, and I want to hear both of your answers on this. Which one was the worst one of all the self-inflicted wounds? You have the Eli pick six. Jordan was just going through all of them. So basically the rock bottom Demontre Moore put on Sam Bradford. For me, from my perspective, the one that I think maybe hurt them the most just in the time of the game, I don't think it was – that dumb of a move, it just is, was an accident really more than anything. But when they ran into the punter, the score was 17-7 there. The Eagles were not doing well offensively. Uh, you figure one play by the Giants on their side, and it's a, it's a one-score game, you know, heading into the late third quarter. And then the Eagles got the ball back, obviously, there after the penalty. DeMarco Murray started running well, and it became 24-7 uh, very fast after that. So that was the one where I kind of said the game's over after that. But which one for each of you? We'll go back to Jordan first on this. Which one was the worst one of all the self-inflicted wounds? The Demontre Moore one was really bad, in my my opinion. I mean, I don't know how you can just watch that and not just not be mind-blown at how ridiculous it was. It was so late. Uh, he lifted him off the ground, which by itself would probably be a penalty, even if it wasn't late. Body slammed him. Uh, it was just such a horrible penalty. That was by far the worst of them all. James, how about you? Which one of all those, I mean, there's countless self-inflicted wounds from all the penalties, I mean, 12 altogether, Eli with the pick six, um, Donnell, which, I mean, the ball, like Jordan said a few minutes ago, was just ripped out of his hands, and, and that cost them momentum early. Which one was the worst one for you? 
you know, I'll agree with Joe. I think it was Demontre Moore because look, Joe, aren't you that, the same? I mean, can, is anyone really not going to say that it was so ridiculous? Yeah, no, I think I, it, it, well, I mean, it was because there's no reason for it. Like I said, I mentioned the running into the punter. That one might have cost them the most in the in the moment of the game, but that's an accident. There, there's no accident of what no. Moore did. That was just you know nonsense. I mean, here's the thing: that uh, roughing the passer call on Demontre Moore came after the Donnell interception. So the Giants, in theory, if Demontre Moore does not pick up Sam Bradford and drive him into the turf, you know, four seconds after the ball was thrown, the Giants are going to force the Eagles to punt. They're going to get away with the Larry Donnell rip-away interception. And, you know, if, if the Giants dodge the point, who knows how the game ends? You know, another thing, Joe, and I, I put a post up on NJ.com earlier today, talking about the, the two penalties, the more and running into the kicker, those both of those penalties extended Eagles drives that then became the Eagles' two longest scoring drives of the night. Uh, Nikita Whitlock running into the kick, the punter, that was the Eagles' longest scoring drive. It was about 85 yards. And then they go 78 yards when they get bailed out by Moore's stupid penalty. Um, you know, what more can you say? I mean, yes, they gave up 14 points on off turnovers, they also gave up 17 points off penalties when you also factor in the Colin Jenkins roughing the passer penalty, which I know they got they got the yardage back when Moore had the sack. But, you know, Caleb Sturgis has been so shaky that who knows what the Eagles would have done on third and 10 from the 19 as opposed to first and goal from the nine. Yeah, that's true. We don't know. I mean, they gave the Eagles extra life in a game. The Eagles made their own share of mistakes. And I think you know, as Giants fans walk away from that game and start wondering about what this team is, that's, I mean, we've been asking that question all year. What are the Giants? I mean, I guess right now they're three and three. They, they are whatever you want them to be in terms of you know, beauties in the eye of the beholder or for them, maybe the opposite right now. Uh, but Jordan, I mean, was this a bad game or did you see, you see things in here that worry you moving forward with this team in terms of their long-term outlook? I mean, they got, they, that was a bad performance, but how much do we make of this moving forward? What happened on Monday night? I know everybody's up in arms today, but actually, I, I, this was a tough spot for them. I didn't expect them to win this game. I know a lot of people got on me. They think I'm a, a Eagles homer, but it was just a bad spot. It was just a bad spot for them. I mean, you know, they're playing in Philadelphia on a Monday night. Uh, the game meant everything to the Eagles. It, it, was, it was a rowdy, you know, raucous atmosphere there. The Giants were shorthanded. They were beat up. Everything was just sort of in the Eagles' favor. And I think if you look at the Giants, you say, okay, chalk it up. We played a horrible game. Offensively, they're still going to be fine. Maybe they, they do need to maybe find another weapon, I think, somewhere, somehow. But defensively, they're going to get guys back. You know, Robert Ayers is going to come back. Uh, Prince of Mukamara is likely to come back at some point. Uh, you know, they're going to get reinforcements on that side of the ball. Uh, Devon Kennard should be back this week probably even. That'll be a big boost. They're really just not healthy on that side of the ball. And I think they're going to continue to get better. They weren't even all, they weren't even that bad yesterday, but it kind of gets masked by all the, you know, other ridiculousness around it. So I think they're still in okay shape. They're tied for first place. They're three and three. There's no reason to panic yet. They played a bad game. This is the NFL. This isn't a great team anyway. They're going to they're gonna have bad games. They're probably even going to lose another game. They're probably going to lose a game or two in this season. 
where you don't think where the fans don't think they should have any chance, any shot, any real reason to lose, and they're going to do it because this isn't a great team. So I, I wouldn't panic at this point yet. There's nothing in this game that makes me really concerned long term. I mean, the offensive line didn't hold up well. Uh, I think they they've done well for five games. They've done fairly well protecting for five games. That I'm not going to let this one game just say, oh, they're just they're, it's over for them. With the offensive line, James Jordan was just mentioning. I mean, they the Giants' offensive line had played well, like he said, and not and Eli Manning was pretty much you know stood upright for the first five weeks of the season, and then they met the Eagles on Monday night. Now, in your mind, as you watch that, is that more of a an Eagles defensive line and front seven is is really good, or the Giants maybe a little you know overrated and didn't play a you know close to their potential last night? I mean, where do you go with that? Are you worried about the Giants' offensive line or? Should we start looking at the Eagles' defensive line and saying that that was a really good unit they just played? Well, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the Eagles' defensive secondary really seemed to to lock down on the Giants and kind of there weren't a lot of guys open downfield, which means Eli's got to hold on to the ball a little bit longer, which means that that pass rush, which is really good, has a chance to get to him. You know, as, as we learned – the Giants let Sam Bradford stand back there all night long. The Eagles are not going to let Eli Manning stand back there and just look around, you know, and enjoy the scenery. So I think it's that. I think the offensive line maybe, you know, was playing on maybe a little bit over its head, but I don't think, as Jordan said, I don't think this is a panic game. I do. I think that it was a bad night. Uh, this team's probably going to have some bad nights because even if they were – you know, three and two and flying high. I don't think anyone ever thought this was one of the best 10 teams in the NFL. Um, I just think this was a really a big blown opportunity. It was a very tough spot for them to be in, very tough game to win. But at the same time, if they had won the game and it looked like they were about, they looked pretty darn good for the first 10 minutes, they could be sitting here at four and two with the Eagles at two and four. They could have a major cushion, but now they don't. Now they're right back into the, the muck with everybody else. They are. They're in the muck of the NFC East, which everyone was having you know, a bunch of fun on Monday night talking about how bad this division is right now. Um, and they're, they're part of that, 3-3, three and three, and there's, there's a lot of season to go. In that game last night, and Jordan, you wrote a piece ab- about this on Tuesday morning. I mean, the first half, you're watching the Giants, especially those first, the first two drives. I mean, they're moving the ball up and down the field. Odell Beckham Jr. is involved. You said it earlier, he played most of the snaps. He looked healthy. He looked you know, mostly himself out there early in that game. And then you get to the second quarter. And then beyond that, you get to after halftime. And at, at one point, I forgot he was even on the field because they just didn't target him. What do you think happened there? And why did it happen? I can't say why it happened. They just, you know what? The first three drives were, I think it was four plays, three plays, three plays. They just couldn't get anything going. So they really didn't run a lot of plays in the third quarter. So I think they, they ran a total of 10 plays. Uh, with the final one being the pass to Beckham, which really could have been a, a, a long touchdown if you like threw it on the field. So I don't know. You know, I they 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 haven't really gone out there and tried to force the ball to him much this year, and they've had a little problem in the second half, particularly when he does some damage and teams really start rolling guys over. They're not just calling plays for Odell Beckham, which I think they should be calling plays for Odell Beckham. Uh, They did a little bit in the first half. They ran a a little pitch to Odell Beckham. He went in the backfield. 
He was in the backfield for a, a bunch of plays in the first half. Was in the slot for a bunch of plays. You notice his touchdown came out of the slot. They didn't do as much of that in the second half. I think they just got away from it um, inexplicably, really, because they should, A, force the ball to Odell Beckham, and B, scheme towards Odell Beckham as much as possible because he's their best playmaker by far and by a wide margin. There's really no one else on, the, on, that, on that offense that scares, aside from maybe Eli when he's playing well, that's scared. I'm talking about weapons, playmakers who, that are going to take the ball and make big plays with them besides Odell Beckham. So they have to really make a concerted effort to do it the whole game and make sure you get the ball in his hands enough times. Yeah, it felt like they just made it really easy in that second half on Billy Davis, the Eagles defensive coordinator. They, they started yeah. doubling and bracketing Beckham, and they just said, all right, well, we'll go to our other guys. And if I'm the Eagles, I'm just smiling and laughing at that because I'll take all the targets in the world to Ruben Randall and Larry Donnell because, you know, I think like you're alluding to, Jordan, those guys aren't going to kill you. What do you think should be a good number for him? I mean, I don't think he's reached double-digit touches in any game this year. He should, in my mind, he should be getting 10 to 12 every single game. You need, you need the ball in his hands that many times. I agree. You have to. And, I mean, it'd be a different story. Uh, seven, it's not good enough. You know, seven's not good enough. It's not. I think it'd be a different story if Victor Cruz was there. If you had a legitimate second option that could make a big play, but they don't have that. So I think you have to force the ball. And like you were saying, you know, get creative about it. You don't want to throw the ball into double coverage, but you could do different things to get the ball in his hands, even like a little bubble screen, just something. Yeah, I was about to say to that. We don't going. see bubble screens with them yeah. very much. You don't. That's the guy you want to get it in his hands. Just, you know, I think I, they, on the pitch, you know, they pitched the ball to him out of the backfield. It was an easy seven yards, you know. Like, he, he just he's quick enough where he just can get to the outside quick enough. And, you know, it was a good, successful play, good gain. So, those kind of things, they just need to, they need to find a way to do more of that. Yeah, they do. And that's, it's a problem right now because teams, I'm sure, will look at what the Eagles did and maybe try to copy some of it. So I think naturally the question is going to be for Giants fans as we move along through this week, it's, it's hard not to look at the similarities. I mean, they're, they're so, so there from last year where they went in three and two, winners of three straight, got rocked in Philadelphia, and then we'll get to it in a few minutes, Dallas the next week, back-to-back big division games. The game in Philadelphia last year, James, that set them on a bad path, and they never really recovered from that. Is this the same? Is this different? I mean, what do you now expect out of this Giants team based on what we've seen? And now the most recent thing was Monday night. I don't know what to expect. You know, obviously Tom Huffman was asked about this. It's Tuesday on on the teleconference, and he said that last year is last year and this year is different. Um, There was a lot of talk in the Giants locker room last night about how it was a different team in a different year and they weren't going to let this loss to the Eagles create a tailspin I mean look this this Sunday and MetLife against the Cowboys is a gut check game uh it, they have to win this game I think I would call it a must win um the Cowboys probably are not going to have Des Bryant they've got Matt Castle at quarterback um the Giants are one and two in the NFC East they they got to start winning games against in the division you know, they can't just beat the Redskins. Unfortunately, they don't get to play the Redskins six times. So, you know, I, I don't know what to expect, but I, I do think that this week coming up is crucial for them, and it's really going to tell us what way, what direction the season's going to go. Jordan, how about you on that? I mean, you obviously have been covering this team for a little while, so you were there for all of last year. You saw how that the ebbs and flows of that thing went. Do you think this is, you know, 2014 2.0? You, you were not on that bandwagon 
heading into the week? Has your mind changed at all, or do you agree with Tom? It's a different team, different season. I'm with the, uh, Tom? Oh, I thought you were calling James Tom. <laughs> I was like, what? No, Tom Crawford. <laughs> yeah, we're similar. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm still that belief. You know what the biggest difference is? The division stinks. There, none of them are any good. Last year, the the Eagles and Cowboys were both five and one. That was a game changer. This year, it's not that way. Uh, and the Giants don't have that schedule that they had last year. They had, you know, Dallas, who was playing well. They had the Eagles. They had the Colts. They had the Seahawks. They had the 49ers before their whole team fell apart and, and retired on them. They had a really really tough run of of teams on their schedule this year not so much coming up cowboys no tony romo unlikely des bryant uh new orleans not very good defense is atrocious tampa bay really bad team those are the next three games so there are opportunities for this team to still be in good shape to still be fine and uh we'll we'll see how it goes all right, before we get to the Cowboy game, we'll preview it. It's, it's interesting because the, the spot, the Cowboys coming off the bye and the Giants uh, on a short week, even though the game is at home for the Giants. Before we get to that, uh, we did have some good news. and The Giants uh, obviously could use some good news. We heard about Daniel Fells, and we talked so much about him a couple weeks ago, hoped he would get better. Uh, news came out on Tuesday, right before we, we recorded this one, um, that he is out of the hospital now. So what's the latest on that, Jordan? It seems like Daniel Fells obviously moving in the right direction if he was released from the hospital. Yeah, at least he gets to go home. He's got two young kids. He's got a wife. He's going home. He's going to have a nurse there uh, to still help with the distribution of the antibiotics. But, you know, it's better to be home than to not be home. So good news for Daniel Fells. He's obviously been trending in the right direction for uh, about 10, 12 days now. So continues to get better. His foot is has been salvaged. It's going to be saved. I mean, it's still not in good shape, his foot, but it's not. there's no amputation or anything like that coming. They do not believe that the MRSA spread to any other parts of the body. The cultures came back clean. So good news on the Daniel Fells front, and he's home with his family, which you want everyone, everyone to have the opportunity to be. We do. So that is great news for, for Mr. Fells, great news for the Giants, great news for his family. Uh, and he heads home now, and uh, I'm sure the Giants are very happy about that. All right, let's look forward to this game coming up on Sunday against the Cowboys. James, a couple minutes ago, you said this is a must-win. What about the matchup here? We watched it in week one. Romo was there. Now it's going to be Matt Castle as the quarterback of the Cowboys this time. And to me, it's interesting, just the, the ebbs and flows of the season. The Cowboys are coming off a bye. Even though this game is at home for the Giants, the Giants are on a short week. Uh, how do you add it all together And when you look for, forward to this game on Sunday? It's, you know, look, I think it's going to start up front. Cowboys get after the passer. Greg Hardy, very controversial figure, but I don't think anyone can deny that when he's on the field on Sundays, he's a guy who can really change a game. And on the other side, the Cowboys' offensive line has been sensational. Even with all the injuries, they just kept chugging along. I, I think the pro football focus had a stat that they've given up the least pressures of any offensive line in, in the league this season. So it, the Giants are going to have to find a way to win battles up front if to win this game, I think. Yeah, it always seems with these two teams to come down to that. And they, you know, in week one, it felt like they were doing it enough, but they couldn't finish it, obviously, with the, the brain cramp they had at the end. Jordan, this matchup to you with 
Castle out there compared to Whedon. How, how do you see this matchup? I mean, the Giants should have beat them. I'm sure they think they should have in week one. They didn't, and now they get the rematch here. Here's the difference, though. Yes, the Giants should have won that opener, but they also created three turnovers, scored 17 points defensively. The better team on the field that day, you know, if you look at the game flow, was the Dallas Cowboys. Now, granted, they, were, they had Des Bryant and Tony Romo. So now without those guys, we're much closer to this is much closer to even battle. Uh, the Giants are now at home. That works in their favor. There's a, there's a lot that's working in the Giants' favor that maybe wasn't before. I think the Giants actually match up fairly well. I mean, they can't get after the passer regardless. So, you know, if they can't get to the passer against other teams, I can't see them getting to the passer against the Cowboys. But at the same time, is we're still talking about Brandon Whedon, likely Matt Castle. You know, they're not going to get – this isn't Tony Romo back there tearing them apart. So that actually plays into their favor. The Giants are very good at stopping the run, which is key, which is what the Cowboys try to do is run the football. So uh, I, I like the Giants' chances in this game way more than I did this past week against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's where we stand now at least. We'll, we'll see as the week goes on. I mean, we got to see how healthy the Giants are. That that. That'll play greatly into what kind of you know what kind of prospects they have really moving forward is the kind of guys that they're able to get on the field here. I mean, they can't play with that defense for a significant period of time. It's just too thin on talent. Too, uh, there's just not enough depth. There's not enough talent. They, they they just won't be able to survive for another six games if that was the defense they had to put out on the field. They don't have enough punch. I think that's the word. Definitely. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things you could say. You could fill in. They don't have enough pass rush. They don't have enough punch. They don't have enough talent. They don't have enough speed. A lot of ways to go with that defense right now. I mean, talent wise, they've, they've slapped it together pretty good, though. Got to give them a lot. I give them a lot of credit. They have, and they force turnovers, which which certainly helps. And and we'll see if they can continue to do that. And and where they're at when Sunday rolls around, the Giants and the Cowboys. It's a big one in the NFC East, and through six weeks, uh, it feels like we're kind of back at square one. Giants are three and three. Eagles are three and three. And we'll move forward from here. Guys, this was a fun one. Uh, a tough loss for the Giants, obviously, but still a lot of season left. And we'll see where this thing goes. Thanks, James. Still the first place Giants. Still the first place Giants. Let's not panic yet, you know? That's right. There's still a lot of football. I think Tom said a lot of football to go. Lots of football. Thanks, thanks for doing this one, James. No problem, Joe. Thanks, Jordan. Anytime, guys. We'll see you next week. That's right. And thanks for listening, everyone to episode 28 of Talk is Cheap. You can follow us on Twitter at James Cratch, at Joe Gilio Sports, at Jordan R-A-A-N-A-N. And of course, iTunes and Stitcher, subscribe, give us a rating. You know the deal. We do it every week. We'll talk to you next time on Talk is Cheap on NJ.com.